0: The FT Weekend Podcast, supported by Ledger, the secure way to buy, exchange, and grow your crypto. From beginner to an expert trader, Ledger has everything you need to buy and grow your crypto securely, all in one place. Reclaim power over your money. Learn more at Ledger.com.
1: Welcome to the last episode of the year of FT Weekend, the podcast. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Christmas is coming, rapidly. And when I think about Christmas, I think about something very weird and specific, which is just this mad dash for refrigeration. I grew up in an old house with a lot of rooms, and every Christmas day around 2 p.m., we'd go from a very small family of five to a group of about 45. It was just unwieldy. It was relatives and family friends and random people who would come every year. And a lot of them would come, and they'd just stay for a week. And with so many people, we were always running to the extra fridge in the basement. There were a few years where my mother had so much food, she had to rent a fridge. We'd stick the wine bottles in the snow, and one year it was cold enough that we just put the whole turkey in the car. And then, of course, at 2 a.m., everyone would crawl out of the woodwork and start pulling things out of all the fridges again, so we could snack and gossip about our relatives. It was chaotic, and it was fun. And it was a really special time for my family, as the holidays are for a lot of people. Last year was small. It was just our immediate family. One fridge was enough. And I missed the old Christmas, but you know, we were also a lot more present. We talked to each other and we listened and it was a little less tiring. And this year, it's going to be different again. Things change. And this year has been a big one for me. The podcast launched in September and the past four months have just whipped by at full speed. And I have to say, it has been so fulfilling to host this place where you can meet my colleagues at the FT and we can all meet you. So thank you for your enthusiasm for the show and for being part of this in ways that I really couldn't have predicted. For example, you all really came through for this episode. We wanted to get a sense of what's on your mind and what's in the air culturally, what we felt we got and didn't get out of this year. So, we asked for voice notes from listeners to hear your predictions and wishes for next year, because next year is bound to be just as unpredictable as this one. You sent so many weird and very specific and really thoughtful responses. One listener wants Chimamanda and Gozi Adichie to do a podcast with the Queen. Another wants politicians to get a fungus that makes them unable to lie. Someone wants more microdosing. And there's a lot more. So, I brought in Matt Vella. He's the editor of FT Weekend Magazine, which is where we publish some of our very best long-form reporting at the FT. And he just really knows a good story and is thinking about themes and trends all the time. He loved your call and write-ins too, so we go on mic to listen to your voice notes and talk through the themes that came through. And after that, our pop critic, Ludo Hunter Tilney, is going to tell us how to make a great playlist. Okay, last show of the year. Here we go. So... As we enter into this predictions game, I don't know if we should call it a game or a whatever, this prediction sort of extravaganza. Is there anything that you noticed this year that you were like, oh, this seems to have been a trend that I didn't expect?
2: Yeah. So I think it might be hitting a certain age this year that begins with a four (laughs) and ends with a zero. But I was seeing lots of nostalgia. And I think five years ago, I would have been, you know, Hand on my hip, like, who wants to go back? Yeah. But now, (laughs) with (laughs) age, if not wisdom, I get it. You know, and I think in the last year and a half, two years, I get why there's a sort of general desire for the before times. Yeah. I was just surprised at how pervasive it is and kind of underlying a lot of these, even when they're nominally about something that they want to see happen in 2022.
1: Yeah. So I know I felt that too. There was a lot of desire for analog. Like people wanted libraries to come back. And somebody wrote to me asking for some, sort. they were like, I don't know what the prediction is, but I just want somewhere where we can all be quiet together. Like, is there a place? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be crazy. And I don't want to be alone in my home. I just want to be quiet with a bunch of people. And Flip phones, a lot of people miss. There were like four or five people who missed flip phones. I think they
2: keep trying (laughs) to like resurrect the flip phone. It's like the whole sort of downgrading of technology is a really interesting concept. And it's something that people have been talking about. They were talking about it like a long time before the pandemic. And it's sort of, it's a thing that's fun to talk about, but no one really wants to live that way in practice. But I feel like... Now it's maybe more serious kind of prospect.
1: Yeah. So when we put this call out, we got a bunch of audio notes through our email, but I also put it on my Instagram story and responses started coming in and I started posting the responses from listeners. But my sister was seeing everybody saying that they missed flip phones and she got very upset. And she said, does anyone actually remember how hard it was to send a text on a flip phone? It took like seven (laughs) minutes to get like one thought out. What are you people crazy? She was like very offended. Yeah. And I think that's true. But and yet, like the idea of wanting a flip phone back is I get it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Although the belt thing is you can't underestimate how cool you would look with a flip phone on your belt. That is (laughs) something we kind of lost at the end of the. 2000 whatever's whenever flip phones
1: were in i know know. bring back the pager yeah okay we're gonna play a couple clips let's um see what we got hi i'm lily i'm from bristol in the uk and my cultural prediction slash wish for next year is for britney to bring out a documentary about her life And everything she's been through. Okay, Brittany, Matt, how do you feel about 2021 being the year of Brittany? It was her conservatorship ending. We freed Brittany from her father. Yeah,
2: I mean, (laughs) I think that story was so fascinating. It was just really, Mm -hmm. really gripping and a good way into that issue of, of financial control. And I think it touched people in a lot of ways. If you look at what happened at the end of the year with Taylor Swift coming back with re-recorded music and managing to make it relevant in a topic of conversation and to chart all over again, yeah. even though they're songs that we've all heard before, you know, like Britney doesn't necessarily need to record new music. She can find a way to make the music um, that she's made before relevant, if that's what she wants to do as an artist, you know. Yeah. Obviously.
1: Yeah. I have. I was talking the other day with my friend Julie about this and what we want out of 2021. And we were listening to, you know that four non-blonde song, What's Up? Yeah. Yeah. And we were listening to that and Julie said like, I want a song that has enough stadium power as this.
2: (laughs) Is that the, and I wake up in the morning? Yeah, yeah. She's like, for
1: women. She's like, I want a lot of s'mores that you want to know. Like, what happened to that? Yeah. I feel that way too. I don't think we've gotten that recently. Okay, let's do another.
2: My cultural wish for 2022 is a new adventure book series. Think Harry Potter a totally imaginary, beautiful, escapist world where good and evil struggle, but ultimately love life and goodness prevail.
1: Yeah. So this was interesting. A lot of people wanted that sort of like escapism, either escapist books, like series that they could mm. fall into or escapist films that were really good that weren't sort of just like remakes of films that have already happened. Yeah it feels like it's been a while since there's been like a big book that everybody's reading together. (laughs) Like, even like Twilight. I'm trying to think the corrections. Like, I don't know. It it doesn't have to just be a fantasy.
2: Yeah, I was trying not to bring up the like sad male (laughs) version, but (laughs) that's where my mind went right away. It was like, well, yeah, Franzen released this new book not long ago. And it's, you know, by all accounts, masterful. But it was by no means a corrections or freedom moment, which maybe tells you something. Yeah about what people say they want, what they are actually doing.
1: Is it that there isn't one voice in books that's telling us all to read something, et cetera, like the internet has sort of like exploded everything? Or is it just that there isn't a book like that?
2: Hmm. I mean, it might just be that these things are are cyclical and sometimes it's a book and sometimes it's a TV show. But if you think about what happened with Squid Game. Yeah this year and just how much it dominated the conversation for however many weeks it was. It's another thing where the kind of like speed of these things is happening in a sort of hyper mode yeah. and we go through it, we fall in love, we like pick it apart and then everybody gets tired of it within a relatively short
1: amount of time. I don't know. Okay, let's do another.
3: From my perspective what I'd like to see more in 2022 and actually beyond is the reemergence of the milkman. I'm uh, speaking actually from Romania, and yes, we do have a milkman delivering each Saturday or Sunday fresh produce, including uh, fresh milk, the kind that you actually have to boil to uh, kill off all the germs. And getting stuff delivered to your house used to be the norm. Back in communist times, you couldn't find much in stores, so you'd have relatives or friends living in the countryside that would send whole packages to your house. But if you ask me now, who out of my friends actually has a milkman delivering stuff to their house? Honestly, I wouldn't be able to name one.
1: Okay, I should just explain that this was a longer voicemail and it involved the caller going back to his grandmother's village in Transylvania.
2: (laughs) I love the FT readership because every moment (laughs) that you're like, okay, another banker commenting on the story, you get a guy who's nostalgic for the Romanian (laughs) milkman of yore.
1: It's amazing. Um, So I love this. We're all obsessed with artisanal. I'm Almost embarrassed to admit, but I'm told that I should let people get to know me better. That I am a member of the food co op. <laughs> oh, me too. We're all going to the farmer's market, we're all getting CSA boxes, and uh, this guy has a literal milkman in Romania.
2: I mean, there is a part of me that's like, mm, with the times we're living in, maybe we should be careful what we wish for. Because, like, <laughs> there's definitely a scenario in which, like, your milkman is like a guy that you trade because, like, there are no more grocery stores because it's sort of a <laughs> the road kind of situation. But if we're talking about, like, a cheerful kind of 1950s guy who brings you a little four-pack of milk, then it's a kind of
1: different story. Yeah. How do you feel, Matt, about, like, this different kind of nostalgia that people seem to have coming out of the pandemic, this, mm-hmm. like, kind of return to an agrarian, idealized agrarian lifestyle? So I have a cousin uh-huh. who...
2: They were on this whole like back to the land thing really early. And they ended up like starting a goat farm in rural Oregon. Wow. And it was a complete disaster. And somewhere I have some photos of like when they had to go be picked up of what the farm looked like. And it looked like, I don't know, like the goats had like completely taken over. (laughs) I always think of that picture of this sort of like dilapidated house where the goats have run wild. and
1: think. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I don't need to do this myself.
1: <laughs> okay, so I think what I want as like, I actually do want this as a tre- a 2022 trend is like an Airbnb option or a <laughs> like an like affordable kibbutz. hotel kibbutz situation that appeals yeah. to my sense of returning to nature without having to fully commit where like I can go to a farm for like a month and I can milk some cows and I can ride some horses. I can make a pie in a really pretty kitchen and then like let it steam on a countertop and then like awesome. go back to New York. And say hi to Chuck the milkman. <laughs> I can go to Romania. That's fine. I'll do it in Romania. Yeah.
2: But the Romanian guy, the other thing that his voicemail made me think of is maybe we need to like evolve the sort of cottage core thing and give it a real like Romanian Eastern European kind of twist for 2022 right like no more of the holiday like in the holiday 2022 (laughs) edition she's going to romania there are you know strands of garlic in the kitchen you know that might be an interesting trend and brings together a couple of different things yeah good
1: idea and and it's also sort of like a a historic analysis of communism in romania like it could also true (laughs) it could be a learning experience true
2: I'd honestly love to see Meta or other Web3 competitors offer Black American descendants of enslaved people, whatever the digital or AR equivalent of 40 acres and a mule is.
1: Okay, so that's my friend Ashley Harris. She's in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. She's asking basically for Facebook reparations. She has a small jewelry business and she said she's already thinking about the ways that she can (laughs) set up her jewelry Mm -hmm. store in the Metaverse. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about this? I think that wherever we can get reparations for descendants of slavery, we should try. So like, yes, let's do it. But I don't I mean, I don't know enough about the metaverse, but I just worry a little that it's not going to be particularly valuable.
2: I, I don't know if I wish in 2022 to know more about the metaverse or less. You know, I imagine sort of like the Matrix or something or Ready Player One. And then you see the screenshots and it kind of looks like AOL circa 2005. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? I
1: know. <laughs> it's like Second Life.
2: Yes. Well, it's like less than Second Life.
1: Mom. It's less than Second Life.
2: So, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea, but maybe you want to check the receipts on how much anything you're going to get in the metaverse is really worth.
1: Yeah, Matt, is there anything else that you would like to see in 2022 that we did not get to?
2: I mean, I guess the small scandal, if that makes a comeback, it'll be so, I'll be so happy. Like, yeah. I think there was like a time that the they had to shut down the large hydron collider because there was like some baguette in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of story where, you know, nobody gets harmed except some subatomic <laughs> particles. I could deal with that right. or like... The guy who swore he has like, he tied a bunch of balloons to his, to a chair and his son was on the chair and it flew away (laughs) and it turned out the whole thing was just a scam to try to sell, you know, tape or whatever. (laughs) Like no one was actually harmed in the making of this dumb media story. More of those. Yeah. I think we could all use. I think
1: we all deserve that. What about you? Um, what I want which I wrote you as a way to get you on the show, (laughs) (laughs) is I was thinking about, I like the remake. Like, I like that they're sort of reviving uh, all these movies from the past. And I want a Three Men and a Baby remake. And I'm not sure why. I remember loving the film. I just definitely had a crush on Tom Selleck, who has since disappeared. Mm. And I'd like to see where their 25-year-old baby is now, whether that baby is unemployed, whether they're part of the Great Resignation, whether they're trying to save for a house. Like, I want to know what happened. I want to know where those men are. Do they still live together? I want to know it all. So it would (laughs) actually be like a young adult and three old men. Exactly, three old men. Not
2: as catchy. (laughs) All
1: right, Matt, thank you so much for joining. This was so fun.
2: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. May nothing we said...
1: Come true. true. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we're in for a second year of bare bones Christmas. Maybe you get to see your family. Maybe you don't. But how do you get into the holiday spirit when everyone around you is getting COVID? I've decided there's a single thing that will do it. And that is a Christmas playlist an anti-Christmas playlist, just a really good playlist that will make you feel whatever you want to feel this holiday season. Because whether you're alone or together, music is a basic joy. But making a good playlist is hard, so who better to go to than Ludovic Hunter Tilney? Ludo is our venerated pop critic. He's been writing about music for the FT since 1998. Ludo, thank you so much for joining me.
3: It's my pleasure, Lila.
1: I'm actually... Curious if we could start with what you're listening to right now.
3: Well, you know something, Lila? I have been listening to Christmas music for professional purposes. Oh, no. That was what was in my headphones. I've been doing a sort of just like listening to all of the latest holiday season music, of which I can recommend His Golden Messenger. He has a good album out. I don't recommend the Ed Sheeran and Elton John. (laughs)
1: Well, it must feel a little like Groundhog Day to go back to this type of holiday album every year. Yes, it year.
3: does. You're absolutely right. Because the songs tend to get repeated. The repertoire is so sad. It really mm-hmm. is like Groundhog Day. And in a way, it's like sort of people's ideas about the mechanization of pop music. These sorts of ideas that mass culture is just something which is all identical and that every song might as well be exactly the same. These very unfair and wrong ideas yeah. about what pop songs really are or what pop music can be actually does seem slightly true at the more jaundiced, Scrooge-like moments of listening to these Christmas songs because it is the umpteenth time of listening to chestnuts this and sleigh bells that and all of it.
1: (laughs) Are there Christmas albums that like stand apart from the pack?
3: That's a good question. I mean, I, I do like Bob Dylan's Christmas album. Okay, He put an album out, was about 10 years ago, and there was like yeah. this astonishment that Dylan had gone and put out a holiday album and n- <laughs> no one could quite believe it. And um, it's really good. It's really mm. good. And it linked in then really with what he proceeded to do, which were his sort of crooner Sinatra albums, which also got greeted with a degree of astonishment, I suppose. So I like his album. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Ludo, can you tell me how to create a great playlist? Like, Mm. how do you get the balance right?
3: Well, now Lila, let's say you and I are swapping our playlists, right? I would say that one of the things to actually first of all is just like try to rein yourself back. Mm. Because one of the problems with creating a playlist on something like Spotify. It's so easy, isn't it? You just drag these songs across into the folder and suddenly, before you know it, you've created some sort of gargantuan three-hour <laughs> monstrosity, you know, with 65 songs. It's like a Drake album, Redux. And you've made something right. which is just way too long for your poor recipient to actually plough through. And what I've gone and done is given you a sort of data dump of music, which, what are you going to do? Politely listen to it for three hours? No. Right. So having set your time limit, I think then the next thing would be clearly to decide why you are gifting this playlist. What is the point of it? What is it meant to be sort of signifying? You know, what mood is it meant to be in capturing? Is it just like some sort of bleak and depressing lockdown thing because I've been stuck at home and it's just like full of Joy Division songs and Cure songs and things like that? Or is it just like something a bit more upbeat and sunny? So I suppose to decide on the not only the mood that I suppose you'd have to decide whether it's going to be some sort of projecting a mood which is within yourself.
1: And do you think that's also true for the party playlist?
3: So we're discussing here playlists for just like individuals to listen to, because then I think you are assuming that there's going to be a certain degree of close listening. I mean, when I do playlists, I'll spend ages just like thinking about it, imagining that someone's actually listening to it as closely as I've gone and sort of poured over it, you know, in what possibly is actually quite narcissistic, as you imagine, this sort of (laughs) reflection of yourself, really, who's actually then just like listening to it as closely as you have. But then, Which is quite different from the party playlist, isn't it? Where yes. no one is listening to it.
1: Okay, so the party playlist is a little bit stressful because like you're putting yourself out there to a degree in that you're like, I'm cool. You need to like accept my music no, is cool. That's right. You're also creating an environment or a mood where people aren't yeah. paying any attention and yet they still want to like feel unconsciously like they're enjoying themselves. Exactly. And then maybe eventually you want them to dance
3: one thing to add to that, which is, of course, how do you then manage your own emotions in the middle of this? (laughs) Because the playlist is obviously... Automatic. You're not standing there jabbing right. your finger at your iPad, you right? You're not, and bad. you're not
1: the DJ at your own no, party. You have things you to do. You are actually
3: both the DJ and
1: the audience.
3: You're actually <laughs> right. out there mingling with people, glass in hand, talking to them with one ear cocked towards <laughs> the sounds that you have gone and sort of deployed. Right now, is your party playlist? I think that this is a key question. Are you creating a background mood, or are you subtly trying to actually lead the mood into some other place? You know, right. into the more uproarious dancing. This is really a dance or non-dancing question, isn't it? Right. Party playlist in the end boils down to that really very simple to dance or not to dance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think every party should ultimately secretly want to dance.
3: I agree. And maybe the ones which secretly want to dance and then end up dancing are the best ones. They are. And if the playlist has brought that out, then that is an incredible success.
1: It's a true feat.
3: Amazing feat.
1: Well, here's a question. To what extent are you mixing songs that you think people will know with songs that you think that they won't? Or like, how comfortable are we with including sort of like top 40 pop songs alongside sort of uh, nostalgic 90s songs or that sort of thing?
3: Yes, I think that's a key question that you raised there. I... I actually think familiarity. It has to be familiarity in the end. It, it would be nice to imagine that everyone thinks that the party where the playlist is happening is some sort of incredibly stylish event. It's like sort of David Mancuso's Loft discos from like the 70s, early 70s New York or whatever, and that it's just right. like the place to be. But actually, the reality is it's not. Of course, it's not. And it's familiarity. That is what gets people to dance. It's what would be called cheese by the musical snob.
1: Give the people what they want. Give them yeah. what they want. Right. Okay. I have one more quick question. We have been thinking about sort of like what our predictions for 2022 are, but they're more like wish lists. Like, you know, like what is one thing that you wish would come out in 2022? Is there like an album or a collaboration or an artist that should come back? Like what what is one thing that you would love to see?
3: I would love to see Glastonbury come back. Mm. Album-wise, I'm looking forward to Jack White has got a solo album coming out during the course of the year, Entering Heaven Alive. I'm looking forward to that a lot. I'm looking forward to certain things which are a bit more sort of um, uh, general. Like, for instance, I would like to see shorter songs stop. I think there's two ways in which we appear to be responding to the immense amount of stimuli and calls for uh, our attention. One of which is a sort of gargantuanism, for instance, like Get Back, the Beatles documentary, which I love, I must add. But that's like eight hours long. Or you have songs getting shorter and shorter. And I can give you an example of Pink Pantheress. She's a, a British singer who's getting quite a lot of traction on either side of the Atlantic. She had an album out earlier this year. And like hardly any of the songs are even two minutes. It's as if, actually, even thinking about the playlist, what's been created here is more a mood than actually a song. It ends up becoming something which is more actually about texture mood like a sort of a musical emoji as it gets shorter and shorter (laughs) they become something which just like gives it all to you instantly so that's a trend i would actually quite like to see reversed one other thing i'm looking forward to in fact just to show that i'm not completely anti-technology which i really don't want to sound like (laughs) is that what i love is the way that old songs turn up and completely randomly become viral hits when you just like suddenly, but like Fleetwood uh, Mac Dreams, that happened on TikTok. It becomes this sort of uh, viral hit.
1: It is kind of amazing. Is there one like song that you wish would go viral? A song that I wish would go viral. We could make it happen.
3: (laughs) Yes, I'd like that to be Martha by Tom Waits.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to see where I can plant that.
3: (laughs) I look forward to you launching this viral trend.
1: Ludo, thank you so much for being on the show. This was such a pleasure.
3: Lila, the pleasure is mine. Thank you very much for having me on it.
1: You can find all the albums Ludo really loved in 2021 in our show notes. That's the show this week. And this year... Thank you again on behalf of my whole team for listening to FT Weekend, the podcast. I know we teased Jancis Robinson, our wine columnist, for this week's episode, but your collins were so good and so plentiful that we're saving that conversation for January. So hold on, you're going to love it. I would love to hear what you'll be reading and watching and listening to over the holiday season. I will be remembering the great Bell Hooks, who just died on Wednesday at 69, a brilliant mind and one of the most influential thinkers about feminism and the patriarchy and race. I'm going to be revisiting two books of hers. One is The Will to Change, which is this really nuanced look at masculinity. And the other is the infamous All About Love. Tell me what's on your list. You can contact me in a few ways. By email, we're at ftweekendpodcast at ft.com. We're on Twitter at ftweekendpod, Pod. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Lila Rapp. You can find behind-the-scenes photos from the podcast and little chats about culture on my Instagram. Right now, I'm watching the Beatles documentary and have a lot to say about it. So if you want to talk about it, find me there. If you would like to read the FT, I have a great deal, especially for listeners of the show. We have half off a digital subscription, and there's also a great offer on a subscription to FT Weekend in print, which comes every Saturday. In the U.S., it's $20 for three months, and I might actually give that to a few people as a Christmas gift. They're at ft.com weekendpodcast weekend podcast. That link and links to everything we mentioned today are all in the show notes. If you like the show, the best gift you can give us is a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can share the show with friends who may like it or on your Instagram story or on your Twitter. That really, really helps support us. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and this is my very talented team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith and Josh Gabbert-Doyan are our assistant producers with additional help from George Drake Jr., Breen Turner is our sound engineer with original music by Metaphor Music. Cheryl Brumley, Manuela Saragosa, and Topher Forges are our executive producers, and we have editorial direction from Renee Kaplan. We wish you a very happy holiday season and a full and vibrant new year, and we'll find each other again in three weeks.
0: As the world changes, so does the tech we need to secure what is important to us. And if you own crypto assets, you need a safe place to store your funds. At Ledger, we provide a secure and straightforward way to buy, exchange and grow your crypto. Whether you're an expert trader or just starting on your crypto journey, Ledger has everything you need all in one place. Ledger, the place to buy and grow your crypto securely. Reclaim power over your money. Learn more at ledger.com.